I'm Jack Van Horn from Van Horn Ranch in Hondo, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to be back with you for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we check in with Congressman Mike Cloud. He is the only member of our congressional delegation on one of the agriculture committees in Congress. He just wrapped up his first year on the committee, and he'll give us a recap of what has or maybe hasn't been done on behalf of Texas farmers and ranchers. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Without some significant moisture soon, things are only going to get tougher for Texas High Plains cattle raisers. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The call is out for farm and ranch parents to participate in a research study on child safety in rural America. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The impact of high fertilizer prices on Texas farmers is substantial. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have the details of a new study from Texas on those price expectations on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas Congressman Mike Cloud of Corpus Christi is the only member of the Texas Congressional Delegation on one of the Agriculture Committees in Congress. He's wrapped up his first year on the committee and says there wasn't much done for Texas farmers and ranchers in that first year. You are correct in that the vast majority of the conversations that went on in committee, uh, many of the initiatives that came up, uh, much of it was the Green New Deal initiatives coming to the Ag Committee and working to gain a, a foothold there. Uh, the Ag Committee has been known to be uh, a, a committee where, you know, Parson kind of has checked at the door and that we're able to focus on getting stuff done for the Ag community. We, we haven't seen that this term. Cloud says there was some progress made, including increased funding for rural broadband, the reauthorization of the WIP Plus program, chronic wasting disease funding, and the Cattle Contract Library Act. The first case of equine herpes virus has been reported here in Texas. The Texas Animal Health Commission has confirmed the state's first case of the neurologic disease linked to the equine herpes virus this year. A quarter horse in Lamb County tested positive for equine herpes myeloencephalopathy after its owner noticed the horse was exhibiting neurologic symptoms. The disease can easily be spread and can cause respiratory disease, abortion, and neonatal death in horses. The clinical signs of the disease are a fever of 102 degrees or more, nasal discharge, a lack of coordination, hindquarter weakness, lethargy, and diminished tail tone. The property the horse was on has been quarantined. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Texas cotton growers will have quad-stacked technology available next growing season. 
BASF is launching their Accent Flex technology, which will incorporate a new herbicide to control resistant pigweed. Kenny Melton is the Western Region Agronomic Manager for BASF, based in Lubbock. We're going to be able to, of course, still spray glyphosate and Liberty herbicides over the top of it. We'll also be able to spray Ingenia brand dicamba or, you know, dicamba over the top of it. The addition, the fourth feature, uh, has intolerance to an HPPD inhibitor herbicide that's called a Lee 27. The uh, active ingredient for that is isoxaplutol. And corn growers are probably familiar with that, but cotton growers are not because we've never had any the ability to spray that in cotton before. So that's going to give us a new mechanism, a new mode of action to be able to control resistant pigweed. Melton says the new quad stack technology will be available in certain Stoneville and Fibermax varieties for the 2023 growing season. Without some significant moisture soon, things are only going to get tougher for cattle producers on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. With an ongoing drought that seems to be in it for the long haul, Moore County Extension Agent Marcel Fischbacher says local cattle raisers are in a tough spot right now. I think a lot of them should be thinking about selling a few more cattle in the spring. We have sold some. Not a lot. A few guys have liquidated some cows as far as the cow-calf deal. As far as the stockers, you know, that's a pretty adaptable thing. We have very few stockers grazing compared to usual. We do have some out there, and probably the gains on wheat will be uh, disappointing for the most part this year, and very few cattle compared to a normal year on wheat grazing. So I think that whole deal is, is a little bit rough looking. I think the worst thing about the cattle raisers, especially the cow-calf guys, is just the thought that they have very little moisture in the ground to have that early spring green up. So we're going to need something for that. A lot of times we'll have some early grasses and even some early weeds that'll flush about the 1st of March, and that's crucial to a lot of guys' operations. Definitely hoping the moisture outlook improves soon. On the bright side, however, Fischbacher says for those forced to trim their herds, cattle prices are pretty good right now. Meanwhile, Fischbacher and his AgriLife colleagues are preparing a special event for area livestock producers, the North Region Multi-County Beef Conference, January 26th at the Moore County Community Building in Dumas. The event begins at 8.30 a.m. and topics will include input cost management, what forages to plant to get the best return on your investment, advice on introducing sheep to your operation, and how to use EPDs when purchasing bulls. For more information about the Beef Conference, contact AgriLife Extension. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you're the parent of a farm kid, you may want to participate in a research study about farm safety. Tom Nicoletti has more on the study. My guest today is Scott Heiberger. He is communications manager with the National Farm Medicine Center. Scott is here today to talk about a research study looking for parents of farm and ranch children to participate in this particular study. And uh, Scott, tell us some more about that. We're looking for farm parents, like you say, to give us some feedback on their attitudes and safety behaviors and safety beliefs regarding kids on their farm. So the project would entail having them take a survey on their knowledge, attitude, beliefs. Then they would read four injury articles. The injury articles would be trauma incidents involving children on farms. And then they would take the survey again to see if their knowledge, attitude, or safety behaviors, particularly how it relates to how they may be the jobs they assign to their children, safety as it relates to their kids on their farm, may have changed at all as a result of reading these, these injury articles. And certainly, I guess the ultimate goal here is to make sure that children on the farms and ranches of Texas and across the United States are definitely safe. 
Right, and you know the best uh, people to work with involving that is is the farm parents. They're the ones who make the decisions on the farm and and know their children best. And so we're hoping that what comes out of this feedback and data that we get from this research study gives us ideas for better ways to talk about safety and health through education, communication, and produce some uh, safety resources that, that the farm families would be willing to use. So Scott, how do uh, farm families participate in this uh, research study? Google the National Children's Center for Rural and Agricultural Health and Safety. And when you arrive there, there's an article on the right-hand side talking about this research project under the latest news. Sometimes the effect of a story uh, can be pretty strong. And the data that comes back might just be accompany your safety messages with a scary story. I did a survey in conjunction with another researcher about five years ago, a survey the American Agricultural Editors Association. One of the themes we got back in the open-ended response box was scary stories seem to have the greatest effect on getting farmers' attention, at least temporarily. And they believe that it's because, you know, we might get complacent in our own situation, but if you read something and you, you see yourself in that story, you said, that could have been me, that could have been my child, we're thinking maybe that that could kind of uh, jolt people into taking another look at their operation. What about the numbers out there as far as children injured or the fatalities that may occur on farms and ranches? Yeah, the best data we have indicates about 100 to 120 deaths of children on farms in a year, and it's that's been pretty steady for about 20 years. As far as non-fatal injuries, that averages out to about 33 per day nationwide. The rates of injuries have come down a little bit of the non-fatal injuries uh, over the last 20 years or so. You know, there is some progress being made. Bottom line, although we're seeing some improvements in the, in the rates of injuries dropping with farm kids in many areas on farms. We still have a couple areas that are stubborn, uh, like the ATVs are quite an issue. That is Scott Heiberger. He is with the National Farm Medicine Center. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The impact of high fertilizer prices on Texas farmers and ranchers is substantial. Gary Joyner has the details. Texas farmers know the price of fertilizer is high. A leading study group has put a sharp pencil to it and answered how high. The Agricultural and Food Policy Center at Texas A&M University says it now appears fertilizer prices will increase more than 80% for the 2022 planting season relative to last year. The impacts of the price increase to growers are substantial. The center says the largest whole farm impact would fall on its representative feed grain farms. The impact on those farms is an average of $128,000 per farm. The center says the largest per acre impact would fall on its representative rice farms at $62.04 per acre. There are also concerns that raising tariffs on nitrogen will create shortages and cause prices to increase even more for farmers. A major U.S. nitrogen producer has petitioned the U.S. International Trade Commission to impose tariffs on nitrogen fertilizer imported from Trinidad and Tobago and Russia. The Commerce Department has released a preliminary finding recommending tariffs. Texas farmers are facing the prospect of a huge increase in costs heading into the spring planting season. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. There are a few things that Texans can do to help protect the bat population. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And spring calving cows will be calving soon. Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Spring calves will start hitting the ground before you know it. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at the three stages of calving. The first stage of parturition or calving is dilation of the cervix, which occurs 2 to 24 hours before parturition. You will not really see any outward signs of stage one other than the cows may isolate themselves and sometimes you will see switching of the tail and a slight discharge. Dr. Glenn Selk indicates at bovineveterinarian.com that if you are aiding the cow in delivery of the calf, you must make sure the cervix is completely dilated or the cervix can be damaged and future pregnancies can be lost. Stage two of parturition is when the calf is delivered. The calf enters the birth canal at the beginning of this stage and the stage ends when the calf is born. Stage 2 can be noted when membranes or a water bag can be visualized, and it is reported this stage may last 2 to 5 hours. However, data from Oklahoma State indicates stage 2 is much shorter, with heifers calving in about 1 hour and mature cows calving in about 30 minutes. Any animals that require longer than this time interval to calve need assistance. If the cow does not calve in the period of time, you can assist them assuming the cervix is dilated and both of the calf's front legs and head are visible, or both back legs are visible. Make sure which legs are involved before assisting the cow, and if the legs are not present, call your veterinarian. Attempting to deliver the calf and damaging the tissues can sometimes cause a C-section to be required, which is more expensive on the producer and more risk for the cow. The last stage of labor is passage of the fetal membranes, and if this has not occurred in 12 hours, membranes are considered retained. Do not pull on the membranes yourself, but call your veterinarian for their advice. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are a few things you can do to help protect the Texas bat population. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. White nose syndrome is a disease that has led to the deaths of millions of hibernating bats across the United States. The disease is caused by a white fungus that causes bats to exhaust their fat reserves as they hibernate. This forces the bats to leave the place where they are hibernating to find food in the middle of winter, which often leads to their deaths. Jonah Evans, leader of the Non-Game and Rare Species Program at the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says there are things that humans can do to help the bat population. We really want to discourage people from entering caves or entering bat roosts or anything like that because if they come in contact with the bat, the spores of the fungus can live on clothing and can live on other surfaces for a long time and could potentially be spread other places. In Texas, we typically see bat die-offs as a result of white nose syndrome in mid-February. Evan says if you find a bat, you may want to consider reporting it. One of the ways many people report bats is to the Department of State Health Services, rabies lab, because someone finds a, a bat in their backyard or their dog brings in a bat and they're worried that the bat might have rabies. That's one way that we actually are able to track this is we'll talk to that lab and see big spikes in the number of bats that are reported to their lab. They're welcome to contact us. People should not touch any dead bats that they come into contact with. 
If you see a bat on the ground, alive or dead, just don't touch it with your skin. If somebody wants to collect it for some kind of testing or sample purposes, they need to do that with the direction of a Parks and Wildlife biologist or somebody. They shouldn't just do it on their own. That was Jonah Evans from the Parks and Wildlife Department. He adds it is illegal to possess a bat, dead or alive, part or whole, in Texas. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We saw a lower trade in the cattle market on the first trading day of the week Tuesday. The cotton market, however, topped $1.20. We'll take a closer look at all of Tuesday's market action coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit, But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org slash stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. A slowdown in processing speeds over the last three weeks is continuing to put pressure on the cattle market. Both live and feeder cattle futures finished lower on Tuesday, and we're seeing a lower cash trade as a result. We'll start out with the futures market first. February live cattle down 30 cents, 137.67. The April down 27 at 141.85. June live cattle down 55 cents. 13707. January feeder cattle dropped a dollar twenty-five, one sixty-one forty-five. March feeders down ninety-five cents, one sixty-five forty-two. The April down seventy-seven at one sixty-nine fifty-seven. Cash fed cattle trade saw some light business on Tuesday. That's a bit unusual. Those cattle that sold here in the South sold for one thirty-seven. That's a dollar to a dollar fifty lower compared to last week. It looks like the Packers are regaining some leverage in the cash market due to that slowdown in processing speed. Boxed beef prices higher on Tuesday. Choice up $1.43, 289.29. Select up 78 cents, 277.83. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear auctioneer Troy sound off, it's time to head down to the coastal bend of Texas. Talk to Rodney Butler, Beville Livestock. Rodney, you sold them on Friday. I understand from the buyers it was a good sale. Overall, we had a good sale. I thought we had some we had some really good Charlet Cross cattle and black cattle last Friday. There were steers and heifers. I thought they topped the market Friday. Let's walk the pins. 
All right, we had 598 head of cattle, no horses, and I think we had two goats. We had two to 300 pound steers were $1.54 to 205. Heifers, $1.40 to $1.64. 300, 400 pound steers, $1.59 to 202. Heifers, $1.42 to $1.95. We have 400 to 500 pound steers, $1.49 to $1.86. Heifers, $1.40 to $1.84. We have 500 to 600 pound steers, $1.37 to $1.69. Heifers, $1.31 to $1.48. Your 600 to 700 pound steers, $1.39 to $1.61. Heifers, $1.22 to $1.36. And your 700 to 800 pound steers were $1.24 to $1.45, and heifers were $1.11 to $1.20. Packer cows were pretty strong Friday, and, and the bull market they brought anywhere from 29 to 75 cents. Bulls brought from 65 to a dollar. Stocker cows brought anywhere from 75 to 96, with some bread cows dollaring out around that 960. And I think we had three pairs Friday. They brought anywhere from 850 to 1100, sir. Good. What do we know for this next week? I know of a, a set of good Charlet kids coming. They'll probably be 32 of them good Charlet steers. They're going to probably weigh six to 700 steers and heifers. And I know a set of black kids coming to be the same weight. There'll be some good kids next this Friday coming up. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for this Friday's sale. Yeah, if I can help market your cattle down here in South Texas, call me at 361-358-1727 or call me on my mobile, 645-5002. We appreciate it, Rodney. Thank you. Thank you and take care. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished higher on Tuesday, February up 70 cents at 81.60, April up 82 at 89.27. Class 3 milk was lower, January milk down 2 at 20.26 weight. February milk down 38 cents, 21.70 100. The cotton market topped a dollar twenty once again on Tuesday on the nearby March contract. We continue to see a smaller 2021 crop and a lower carryout supporting prices. We finished with March cotton up 138 points. It closed at 121.08. October cotton up 108 to close at 103.81, while December was up 101 points. 97.84 cents. A higher close in the corn market. March corn up three and a quarter, 599 and a half. September corn up one and a half at 570 and a half. The wheat market continues to see a lot of pressure from a lot of different factors, but it just wants to climb right back up to $8. We've seen a lot of lower closes in this market over the last couple of weeks, but as soon as we get down toward the $7.50 level, it jumps back higher. That was the story on Tuesday with July Kansas City wheat up 25 and a quarter, $7.77 a bushel. July Chicago wheat up 22 and a quarter, $7.59 and a half. In the energy markets, February natural gas up eight cents, four thirty-four. February crude oil up two oh three at eighty-five eighty-five a barrel. The financial markets on Tuesday afternoon were lower. The Dow down five hundred forty-three points, thirty-five thousand three sixty-eight. The Nasdaq down three eighty-six at fourteen thousand five oh six. The S and P down eighty-five, four thousand five seventy-seven. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production 
of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.